We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good morning, good Sunday morning, game day here in Western New York. It's Joe Beamer with you. It is Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Yes, six o'clock, six thirty tonight. Bills kicking off for a chance, a win, and they're hosting the AFC Championship game. So a lot on the line at six thirty. Um, obviously. If it was up to me, that's what we'd be talking about today. But uh, this is Hardline, and we have a lot of um, political stuff to cover. It was a busy day locally, a busy day, busy week locally and nationally here with Joe Biden marking his one year in office with a press conference, a two-hour press conference. Congressman Chris Jacobs will be joining us at 11 to talk about that. We had the county going after the village of Williamsville. Joe Larigo will be joining us at 10.30 to discuss that. And we had yesterday Governor Kathy Hochul in town to um, un- un- unveil plans um, for some changes on the Kingsington Expressway. And we will have Assemblywoman, the majority leader of the Assembly, Crystal People-Stokes, joining us at 11.30. So, a, uh, a, a stacked lineup. I thought we would use this first segment to kind of go over those three things that happened this week. And full disclosure, uh, I did have invites out to the two dissenting votes in, on the Williamsville board who voted against getting legal counsel. Did not get anything in return. Um, maybe if someone uh, from the Williamsville board that voted no, one of the two, Uh, are listening to this right now, they'll give us a call. Um, But I did look to get a voice from the village uh, board that voted no um, uh, for getting legal counsel. But what was going on in Williamsville this week, if you you took the week off of following current events, well, number one, good for you. Uh, Number two, uh, if you did, uh, here is a recap of what happened. So the... County, Erie County, um, has their sanitarians out, and um, they were at the village board meeting where there were people not wearing masks, masks were not enforced, and they wrote the village a $300 ticket. This is County Executive Mark Poloncars and Mayor of Williamsville, Deborah Rogers, uh, giving, well, it's pretty much 
pulling cars, talking about what happened, and the mayor giving her reaction. Again, this happening earlier in the week uh, in Williamsville. Uh, we have multiple incidents that have occurred in the village of Williamsville where uh, not only the village mayor but others were not wearing a mask. We had sanitarians on site during the most recent meeting. Uh, they took notes, they took information, uh, and the village was cited for violating the rules. And uh, a fine, I believe, has been issued. I don't know the exact number. Actually, I, I think I know the number, but I'd rather uh, you contact the Department of Health to confirm. But they were cited. They have violated through repeated violations. They've created an unsafe environment by having a public meeting uh, where the public is invited and the village mayor is not wearing a mask as well as others. Uh, and we know that Omicron is very, very, can spread very, very quickly and it is deadly. And uh, if it is the first time that we filed, uh, find a, a, a municipality, uh, I hope it's the last. Let's put it at that. My opposition is just that uh, I think it should be about freedom of choice. I, I'm not anti-mask. Um, I am simply just the belief that, you know, our business owners, for instance, should have the ability to decide whether or not they want to put a mask requirement for entrance into their business and vice versa. And uh, so that's kind of where I've, um, you know, been at the beginning of this because I have heard from several business owners who have said that, you know, this ongoing masking, um, you know, demasking, this back and forth has been detrimental to their business. So at this time, we are holding a special meeting uh, this Thursday evening at 6 p.m. And we are holding that meeting because we need to retain uh, additional counsel. Our village council that we currently retain for all of our village matters has a conflict of interest. And so we need to retain separate counsel to address this specific issue with the Erie County Department of Health. So that was what happened, uh, described by County Executive Mark Pullencars and the mayor's reaction. Now, they did vote three to two um, to get legal counsel. Todd Aldinger uh, will be representing the village of Williamsville. And obviously, we will be following uh, up with that, with what happens Um we will be talking to Erie County Legislator Joe Larigo at 1035 um, for his thoughts on the county's actions and the county's ongoing COVID strategy uh, that, you know, uh, uh, very few other counties have. Um, it doesn't it, – the county legislature, um, their voice is not heard. Uh, they, they don't have representation right now because of – in emergency power. So we'll talk about all that with Joe Larigo at 1030. Also this week, we mentioned um, the president, and we'll get to that, but there was also a snowstorm in the city of Buffalo and, well, all western New York, and it did become uh, a, a point of concern this week um, when we still had, three days after the storm, issues with streets being plowed in the city of Buffalo. Now, this is something we will be talking uh, with Crystal Peoples about at 11.30. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about yesterday's announcement, but I'm also going to ask what she thinks about the snow removal. Here is um, a wrap from Tom Puckett uh, on the snow removal and the issues in the city and how this can be addressed later on. Common Councilmember Ulysses Wingo says Buffalo Street Plow Cruises' efforts have been par for the course. Get down streets that they can 
where cars are not parked on both sides. Um, I've tried to use my own personal snowblower to help folks get to the other side of the street, but I'm only one person. I would hope that folks understand this is a community effort and not just the effort of the guys who are driving uh, the snowplow. Wingo says he's in touch with Public Works and they've been cooperative. I'm going to make a phone call and just give them a little extra push and say, listen, one of my constituents has a doctor's appointment, uh, the cardiovascular doctor. We want them to get their appointment. They live on such and such street. How are you guys doing in this area? Council member, they're in that area right now, but I'll have the guys reroute to that street first so that they can rest, be rest assured that their street will be plowed. And guess what? That individual called me a couple hours later and thanked me. Council President Darius Pridgen says most of the complaints have been from side and residential street residents. The biggest complaints, I, I haven't heard many complaints about the mains, um, has really been about the side streets. Um, and, you know, there are even some who are suggesting revisiting the alternate street parking because you have people who couldn't move their cars. Like, not that they wouldn't, they really couldn't uh, because some of the cars are not 4 by 4 they're, they're plowed in, there's no, play, no way to get them off the street. What's Pridgen's biggest concern about snow removal? Find out online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. So that happened in the city of Buffalo, um, which did get a lot of snow, but some concerns when it comes to the snow removal. And obviously, this is something that will be uh, brought up um, for the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, um, to local leaders in Buffalo and also at the state level. Uh, so that also happening this week. Like I said, a very, very busy week locally. We had the Williamsville the Williamsville issue. We had the snow uh, removal issue in the city of Buffalo and nationally. Now at 11.06, as I, I mentioned, we have Congressman Chris Jacobs. He is going to be talking about the president's first year in review and um, what he thought of the press conference the president gave on Wednesday, as well as this the push um, for in Senate, we saw with the filibuster not getting the approval um, with two Democrats voting with Republicans. So we will have all of that at 1106. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you take the polls out of it, you take everything out of it, and you listen to what people in Washington, what um, other elected officials are saying about that. So it, it, it's been it's been a very interesting week. And um Again, there's there's never a, never a lack of news, never a lack of uh, current events. It seems right. You never have a week where you say, "Oh my gosh, what are you guys going to talk about?" You know, what's what's going to be on Hardline? Who are you going to talk to? Uh, which is good. I think that's a good thing. Um, that there's always just so much going on. So we will we will be covering all of that. And then there was news made yesterday. Very rarely. Does news get made on Saturday? But Governor Hochul was in town, and of course WBEN was there, and talking about the plans for the 33. Now, this is something we've heard. This is something I've um, covered right here on Hardline uh, with support from Congressman Brian Higgins, State Senator Sean Ryan, who was a guest on Hardline last week, talking about removing some of these highways, right? We've heard the push for the 198 to be removed, we obviously, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard the uh, arguments for the Skyway to be removed over the last, I don't know, decade, more than a decade. Um, that's been the, the uh, 
the uh, talk. And now this talk of parts of the Kensington Expressway being removed, being um, changed. And that's what Governor Hochul was here talking about yesterday. Here's a little bit of audio from Governor Kathy Hochul. Now, she was joined by Congressman Brian Higgins and Assemblywoman Crystal People-Stokes, again, who will be our guest at 1135. Uh, she was joined by those two um, on at the podium. But here's what Kathy Hochul had to say. Governor Kathy Hochul talking about the 33, the Kingsington Expressway, and the changes they want to make to the Kingsington Expressway. They said, yes, there was community opposition to it, but they were overshadowed by the politicians and the local media that thought this was the greatest thing that they could have thought of, was to tear down a tree-lined boulevard where there are homes and churches and businesses and to make it into this, this now this infrastructure that we're trying to undo the wrongs of the past. Today I'm announcing we are making good on the promise I've just made to all of you, and that is that the environmental impact study will begin immediately. And when I, when I say immediately, it begins immediately. So. It was about the transfer of wealth from the city to the suburbs. The community be damned. You took away this to create that? No more. And again, that's something we'll talk about at 1130. And, and you hear this, right? We've talked about uh, Brian Higgins. Congressman Higgins has also talked about removing the 190 at certain places uh, because it takes away from waterfront um, land that could be turned into waterfront property, obviously. Uh, so that's something, uh, again, you look at these big, these big highways, these big expressways, the 33, the 198, which was a decent expressway until it went to 35 miles an hour, but I've... I've gone on that rant before, and uh, now the 33 at certain at certain spots, and you know the 33 expressway. Obviously, this is something that public opinion will uh, you'll hear a lot of, right? You'll hear a lot in favor, and you'll hear opposition. I mean, the 33 is a very you can just ask Alan Harris, who does traffic every morning and afternoon. The 33 is a very uh, busy expressway for those trying to get into the city and those trying to get out of the city. Uh, so it'll be interesting what the plans are. If this goes through, and I'm very interested, I'll tell you this: I talk about a lot of things I'm fascinated with, uh, a lot of things that really, you know, I, I put my interest in. This is something that I will put a lot of interest in because, as someone who travels the 33 a lot, um, I would like to hear what the alternate plans are. Because Congressman Higgins, who was also invited today, could not join us. Congressman Higgins wants to also get rid of the 190. So, where are those routes into the city? Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear different opinions. Obviously, the environmental study, um, which I think we're still waiting for the uh, results of the environmental study on bringing the metro subways to uh, to Amherst. Are we still waiting on that $5 million uh, study? So it'll be very interesting uh, what that says. And again, public opinion, you know we'll do a show or two or <laughs> more uh, here on WBEN talking about the removal of the 33. I think a lot of people have more questions than answers now, right? Because all we heard is, hey, we, we've got to get rid of this. We've got to um, we've, we've got to bring everything back together. And again, fine. Um, but I think people are going to have questions. And again, we'll be asking those questions at 1130. Now, Governor Kathy Hochul also had some COVID comments to uh, to give at her press conference yesterday. And these this was Governor Kathy Hochul talking with WBEN. 
I am very much looking forward to lifting all restrictions that were put in place, and there will be the right time to do just that. And we are seeing the numbers that are trending in the direction that will allow us to do that. But I'm going to continue to be guided by the science and the data because what we saw up until early November was a, an incredibly positive trend. And the thought was is that we'd be lifting any restrictions at that time. And then on November 26, Omicron was first named by the World Health Organization. December 2nd, we had our first cases in New York. And by the end of December, the state was on fire with Omicron cases. And we saw that there were a lot of breakthroughs. And so people that were vaccinated and boosted were not ending up in the hospital, which was great, but it spread so quickly. So right now, it continues to make sense in the short run for children to be masked up in schools. It's something I know it's it's frustrating for a lot of people, but I don't do this lightly. I do this because I know that we saw a higher rate of infection with children after they came back from their December holidays. They had been protected and safe in schools because of the masks and everything that incredible teachers have been doing to keep them safe for a long time. But once they got around family members or cousins who came back from college and aunts, that's when we started seeing an increase in kids. So we know that schools are very safe for kids mostly because they're not interacting with people who are not wearing masks. We're going to keep that going a little bit longer, and we are watching the numbers. Western New York is not there yet. The rest of the state is in a good direction. But again, if you look back a couple months ago, we would have thought these were very high numbers. So I have to manage expectations, but I am very much looking forward to the day when we can say this is in the rearview mirror, and I thank New Yorkers, the ones who've been complying, the businesses who've been doing the right thing. Uh, they're really making a difference on why we'll be one of the early states coming through this, unlike a lot of other states that are seeing. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, exponential increases in their infection rates, even as ours are declining. All right, so that's a recap of what happened during the week. You have the Williamsville situation, the snow removal situation, and the um, well, the president uh, marking a year in office and this change of the 33. Those topics are what we'll be covering when we come back. We have Joe Larigo 
Congressman Chris Jacobs and Assemblywoman Majority Leader Crystal People Stokes. So, a packed show. Let's get to it after news here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's game day. Happy game day. Uh, our next guest, we are talking about the situation. In Williamsville, as we heard this week, and the other uh, COVID strategies going on in Erie County, it is Erie County Legislator Joe Larigo, also the Minority Leader. Joe, good morning. Morning, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Joe, we heard uh, you know everything that happened this week with the sanitarians and the $300 ticket. Uh, first off, what was your reaction uh, to this unfolding in Williamsville? You know, it's unfortunate that we have a health department that's still looking to find, you know, businesses or municipalities for not complying. You know, we should be looking for every way we can to help people work through this and, and you know, get over the hump rather than looking to penalize people or municipalities because they're not complying with Mark Polenkar's edicts. You know, and not to look at this, but a lot of people look at that $300 number and, and you know, he says that there were sanitarians in this uh, at this meeting. What are, I don't know if you know this answer, but what are these sanitarians getting paid to write a three hundred dollar ticket? Uh, I'm not sure the exact answer, but my guess is they're getting paid quite a bit, and they're probably getting paid overtime if they're at a meeting that's happening in the evening. So you know, the use of resources on on making sure that Mark Polenkar's ego is is stoked uh, is unfortunate. And, you know, I know there's been a lot said about, uh, you know, why he chose Williamsville to, to find and not other municipalities. I think it's unfortunate that he chose the one municipality uh, that's really bucked the trend that's led by a woman. But I think the reasoning is more because he's looking for a sympathetic audience in a village like Williamsville, and he knows he's not going to get it in a town like Marilla or Grand Island. And, you know, looking at every day or, you know, Fridays and Saturdays mostly, uh, we, we've talked to business owners that have, have had to put up with these sanitarians. And we know how the contact tracing went in Erie County. Uh, how, number one, how many of these sanitarians are being sent out by the county? And two, uh, the money that's being used on this, could that not have gone to testing for the residents, free testing for Erie County residents? That's a great question, Joe. And, you know, it, it highlights another area that I wanted to talk about. You know, there have been so many initiatives that we've tried to put forward to not only help uh, residents and small businesses in Erie County, but, uh, you know, really everyone and every single one of them has been shut down due to the politics of the county executive and my colleagues across the aisle. You know, a month ago, we were in session trying to pass a resolution to get uh, rapid tests in the hands of every Erie County resident. And we were told no, simply because of politics. And then, you know, the county executive on his own was able to procure 40,000 rapid tests from the state and, you know, handed them out. But it's a drop in the bucket to what we actually needed. You know, the resources are there for those types of things. The resources are, you know, existed to help small businesses. They existed to help restaurants. And they exist to get rapid tests in the hands of county residents. But because of politics, the county executive and majority in the legislature chooses not to do it. Any, um, any idea on how much longer the emergency powers are going to be held by the county executive and any idea if this has even been discussed in Albany? Well, you know, so the legislature unanimously removed the county executive's, you know, county given emergency powers back in June of 2020. But the county executive has consistently uh, extended his emergency powers that he's granted in state public officers law. And unfortunately, the county legislature can't do anything about it. 
You know, that's why several months ago we were calling on, uh, you know, the state elected leaders to come to the table and remove those powers from the county executive because they're the ones that can do so. You know, they're back in session now. They should be getting on that, you know, as soon as possible. And then the other issue that we know is going on at the county level, and that is the overtime uh, issue, notably with Dr. Gail Burstein, the only health commissioner in the state that is uh, making overtime to that extent. Um, Has the legislator, have you guys talked about that at all? Have you guys tried to pass just to maybe even look at what she's doing to, to gain that overtime? You know, we we originally, back when it all first came to light in you know June or July of last year, we agreed with the uh, legislators across the aisle that we were going to have a conversation on overtime that focused not only on Gail Burstein and the administration, but also on the people in the sheriff's office who had gotten overtime. And then out of nowhere, the county legislature chairwoman, April Baskin, canceled that meeting and has refused to have a discussion on overtime since. My colleagues in the minority, John Mills, Frank Todaro, and Chris Green, we've asked for that conversation. We've tried to put it forward and say, look, Erie County residents deserve to know what's going on. But the county legislature Democrats are unwilling to have the conversation. So to this point, there is, uh, there is nothing that shows what exactly the county is gaining from that overtime? Uh, you know, there was a schedule of Dr. Burstein's that was submitted to the legislature a year and a half ago. Uh, that was like her personal calendar. Uh, if you looked at it, you know, carefully, the numbers really didn't add up. And that's why we needed those conversations. Uh, you know, there was, uh, there's one issue that I can remember where she said that she was, you know, doing something for the County, but in her calendar, it also had that she was having wine with one of her friends, you know, and look, I don't begrudge her having wine with her friends. We all should do that. But you can't say that you're working for the county at the same time as you're doing personal errands and expect to get paid for it. That's why the legislature, the body that oversees county finances, needed to go through that and needed to have the discussion and have the opportunity to ask her what was she really doing during that time. And looking at uh, the overtime and the media coverage of it, I've got to ask you this. What did you think of the county executive's reaction uh, to being asked about the overtime at one of his press conferences? I think the county executive acted like a complete and total jerk. You can't get up there and scream and yell at a reporter that asks you a a valid question when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer money. You know, Mark Polonkars has shown time and time again throughout his tenure as county executive that he is unwilling to tolerate legitimate questions from reporters, from members of the legislature, or political opponents. He thinks he's above questioning and that he is the one that has complete and total authority over everything happening in county government. That is simply not the case. We have an elected legislature for a reason. The legislature is an independent body of government that sets the budget and sets the policy and sets the the spending plan for county taxpayers, not the county executive. You know, the the, uh, county comptroller, former host of uh, this show, someone that, you know, I I realize he jumped over to the Democrat Party, but someone that seems everyone gets along with. uh, Has have you or has anyone talked to Kevin Hardwick about this overtime? And do you know if there will be any actions take or at least something looked into by the new comptroller? Well, I don't think anybody would say that Kevin Hardwick and I get along very well. But, uh, you know, I, I think we have a new elected controller who I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and see how he responds to the issues put before him. But I am concerned based on his past history that we're going to have a controller who is unwilling to buck the county executive, who is unwilling to do the deep dives that need to be done. And that's a strong concern of mine. 
You know, we need someone who's independent there. We need someone who's going to look at the, the administration and make sure that what's being done is on the up and up, is legal, and is not something where, you know, taxpayers are being disrespected, laws are being, you know, flouted, and, you know, proper governmental procedure is being ignored. You know, it's only been three weeks. We'll see how it goes, you know, throughout the course of uh, uh, Controller Hardwick's term. And I know actions speak louder than words, uh, but he did tell Hannah Bueller um, that he would be looking into this after we're done, pretty much saying after we're done with the pandemic. Uh, Do you think that's too late to wait to start looking into these numbers? I think it's absolutely too late to wait. I mean, you know, we're two years into this pandemic now. We're in a situation where, you know, every Erie County resident and every person in the whole world is living through it. So we need to, you know, say, look, we can't use the uh, the pandemic as an excuse for why we can't do certain things or why we are doing certain things. The pandemic is a fact of life that is here, and we need to be able to, you know, get government to work through it and around it, not be hamstrung by it and use it as a crutch anytime there's something that, you know, a particular member of government doesn't want to touch. Yeah, I, I got to go back to the emergency power things for for a minute. And I'm sorry to, to go out of order here, um, but the the county's emergency powers, um, you know, the only county in New York State and one of the few only counties in the country uh, that a lead a county leader has these kind of powers. Has he said in writing, said to you um, why he believes he deserves these powers over county leaders in Monroe County um, or, or other counties here in New York State? He hasn't. You know, he simply extends the uh, the emergency powers every month. And when you have a legislature majority that is content to sit back and let the county executive run the show, this is the type of unchecked power that you get. You know, people ask me all the time and tell me all the time, when are you going to take back your power? When are you going to, you know, eliminate these emergency powers? Look, I've tried and I put forward resolutions. I put forward letters. I try and have discussions. But when we have a legislature majority that is unwilling to act as the proper check and balance on the county executive, this is the poor government that Erie County residents are getting. And, and back to the, the, the mask mandate. Now, I realize that you know the, the state also has a mask mandate on top of the counties. But you know, something I have not heard from the county executive, and I've seen in, of all places, the New York Times, uh, is that these cloth masks people are walking around with, not really effective uh, against the variant that is dominant in Erie County. Has that been brought up? Have you heard that brought up to the county executive as why are we enforcing something that the CDC and, you know, places that I wouldn't call right wing uh, right wing publications are saying that these masks don't work? What's the point of enforcing something that we know right now is not working? That's a great question. And no, nobody's put that uh, to the county executive. You know, you might find it funny to know that I'm not allowed to call the county executive anymore. Uh, His cell phone number was given out by someone and he accused me or my colleagues in the Republican caucus of giving out that phone number. None of us did it. And so since then, we've been told that we're unable to have the county executive's new phone number or contact him through any other way than calling his uh, receptionist like like anybody else. So that's the level of pettiness that we have going on with the county executive and his administration and the lack of concern or willingness to work across the aisle that we have from someone who believes he is, you know, above power, above you know, checks and balances and above everybody else in the county. Is there a difference of how many times he talked to the legislature before the pandemic and how much he talks to you guys now or information he gives to you guys now? What I can tell you is, you know, he never really spoke to us on that many things unless there was an emergency happening. You know, we did when uh, my colleagues in the minority were in the majority of the legislature. We used to have the administration uh, commissioners over 
twice a month. You know, we would get updates from the health commissioner on the opioid epidemic. We get updates from the social services commissioner on uh, child protective services twice a month. You know, now in the midst of a global pandemic and a legislature majority run by Democrats who don't want to do their jobs, we have a health and human services committee meeting once a quarter. And so we're getting so much less information directly than we ever did in the past. And it's all because we have county legislature Democrats that don't want to do the work that's needed and the work that their residents expect. Joe, before I let you go, anything uh, that we should be looking for coming out of the legislature in the coming weeks? Well, you know, we're trying to you know, pass resolutions and get rapid tests in the hands of, of county residents that need them. We're trying to make sure that everybody gets through this pandemic and, you know, we get on the other side and we help small businesses that have been affected. So, you know, always keep a lookout for that. And one more question to your knowledge, uh, those contact tracers, is that program completely done or is it just um, is it just to those that got tested by the county? That I'm not sure. You know, I, I know that we we stopped doing the contact tracing that we said we were doing. It makes me wonder why the county executive thought it was prudent to go and spend six million dollars to rehab a building that, you know, that was solely to be used for a covid response. And now we're not doing that. You know, like most things that have happened throughout this pandemic from the county executive, they're inconsistent and they don't make sense. Everything is flying by the seat of his pants, you know, trying to do what he thinks is going to get him the most you know, positive press that he can and not actually looking at what's in the best interest of his constituents. All right, Joe, 630 tonight, Bills, Chiefs, what are you expecting? I'm hoping for a win. I'd love to have that AFC championship game here in Orchard Park in, you know, in a week. So go Bills. Doesn't that, that put so much more on the line, doesn't it, knowing that if they win, it's a home game? Oh, absolutely. And I think the team will know that going in. I believe in these guys. They're a great team. They're fantastic to watch. They've come a long way since some of the troubles earlier in the season. Bills by a billion. All right, Joe, have fun watching it, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining me this morning. Yep. That, that is Erie County Legislator Joe Larigo talking about the situation in Williamsville and the ongoing COVID strategy situation in Erie County. Uh, again, as I said, anytime COVID comes up, Erie County COVID, um, there's so much to talk about. And uh, again, I, I don't like to put my opinion on this show. I like to um, let the politicians give their opinions. My guests give their opinions. Um, but, you know, it seems like there's a lot of questions in Erie County. Um, but unfortunately, um, just uh, not not as many answers um, from those at the top. County Executive Mark Polenkars with his emergency powers. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Always good uh, checking in with Joe. And just so everyone knows, there was an invitation sent out to uh, – a member on the Democrat side of the Erie County Legislature, but I did not hear back, um, just so people don't think that I'm only trying to get one side. Uh, I did uh, reach out to the other side, um, but have not received um, anything in return. And if I do, they will join us next week. So uh, always try to get both both views of it, right? I mean, if you listen to the station during the week, you know where I stand politically. So I, I do try to get people on the other side of, of the aisle. And again, if, um, if I hear back, they'll join us next week. If Congressman Higgins, who declined to come on today, is available next week, he'll be on the show next week, uh, just so you know. But uh, always good to talk with Joe and get an update uh, of what's going on and, and what the legislature does and does do not know um, from the county executive. Hey, when we come back, the president of the United States gave his year one 
press conference, I guess you would call it. Uh, it went on for two hours. Congressman Chris Jacobs will be joining us. He'll be commenting on his report card of the president's first year. Also, um, his thoughts on stuff going on in Congress and in Senate and um, what he's expecting. You know, this is a big year in politics. It's a it's a midterm election. Um, usually the party in power at the national level doesn't have a great midterm election. And we'll talk to Chris Jacobs, Congressman Chris Jacobs, what he is expecting from that as well. And also his thoughts on COVID strategy, um, which uh, is at the at the federal level, there seems to be just as many answers as at the county level. Um, but we'll be talking with him. And then don't forget at 1135, we are talking to Assemblywoman Crystal People-Stokes about the announcement made yesterday of the 33 the Kingsington Expressway, um, and the changes that we are going to see there as Governor Kathy Hochul made an announcement here in Buffalo yesterday. So another hour to go. Thank you so much for spending some of your Sunday with me on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.